Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. You know, really the core of wallet activism is taking people's good intentions and desire to do good things and to make a difference and to challenge the status quo and actually challenge that and actually channel that energy into decisions that make a real difference instead of just decisions that make us feel better. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Compton-Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. 
everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. Welcome back to the show. It is so good to have you here. Listen, I am I'm really excited for this episode and this idea of wallet activism. I don't know about you, but it is so easy to spend money on a bunch of stuff and just not really know what you bought or even why you bought it in retrospect. This is really where I think the conversation of intentionality and values comes into play with your money. Are you putting your money behind what you believe in and what matters to you? Our guest, Tanya Hester, she is an amazing person. You are going to just love this conversation. She is author of two great books, Work Optional, Retire Early, The Non-Penny-Pinching Way, and the forthcoming title, Wallet Activism, How to Use Every Dollar You Spend, Earn, and Save as a Force for Change. Tanya is also best known for retiring from her career at the age of 38, after she watched her dad get forced into early retirement by his disability, which she unfortunately inherited herself. So Tanya shares how you can channel your anger into meaningful, realistic wallet activism and really use your financial power to fight for your values. It is an incredibly powerful and life-changing message that hopefully will rock your world. I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money. So thrilled to bring you this episode. Let's jump into the conversation. Tanya, I am so, so thrilled to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. We have a lot of potentially heavy subjects to talk about, but I know we're going to do them in in a really great way that I think maybe hasn't been talked about before, certainly not on my show. And I think there's there's a lot right now to be angry about, right? We've got racial injustice, we've got financial injustice, widening wealth gap, we've got wage inequality. We just got a lot of stuff. Um, but you are here to really help us figure out how to channel that anger into something that is meaningful and realistic, what you call wallet activism. I love this term. Tell us a little bit more about this. Like, What is wallet activism? Yeah, it's it's funny because I think of wallet activism as something that shouldn't need to happen. We shouldn't need to be thinking about all the different downstream downstream impacts that happen when we spend money, earn money, decide where to save and invest money, decide where to live, you know, all of the different financial choices we make. But as you said, we live in a deeply imperfect world in which Capitalism says that some people are winners and therefore others are losers and in which we haven't properly cared for the planet and our climate and we are facing a crisis, you know, not some future theoretical date down the road, but right now. Um, and okay. so, so much of that has happened because our leaders have really not done what they should have done. They've not stepped up and done their jobs. And so, as you said, so many of us are angry and we feel like, okay, how can I do something? So I think it's one, how do I do something? But it's also, how do we actually go beyond just those symbolic things that make us feel better and actually take action, make choices that are truly impactful? Because I think for years we've been getting 
a lot of bad messages of, well, if you just recycle, uh, you'll save the earth. <laughs> uh, well, we've all been recycling. and <laughs> The earth's not being saved thus far. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, we need to take a closer look and say, okay, what are the things we've been doing that have either been performative, you know, to get likes on social or to seem like good people, or they've been easy steps to just assuage our guilt so we can sleep at night. Um, Or a lot of it is marketing lies, we've been told, you know, that by pushing plastic recycling, we know that the plastic industry put that in place because it made people feel good about buying more plastic if they knew the plastic Mm. was being recycled. Um, And actually then look at the things, okay, Maybe this isn't as sexy or glamorous, but it can actually make a real difference for people or the planet. I I don't think we should choose one or the other. We should think of people and the planet as one and the same because they absolutely affect one another. A hundred percent. And I think it's really interesting because what, what you're talking about is very profound and it's about making, in my opinion, it's about making intentional choices with your money. But I feel like we just we just don't really do that in our day-to-day life. Like, why do you think that is? I mean, because money is, I think money is like such a big component of our lives, but for so many of us, and this isn't a judgment, this is just life. We just spend our money on things and we're not even really consciously thinking about it. I think that we have been presented with so many false choices so that a lot of us don't even think about the question the right way. If you talk to a lot of folks who are environmentally minded, they'll talk about ethical consumerism or folks who care about people will do that, too. If you're trying to avoid forced labor in sweatshops, for example, Um, you might be choosing more carefully the clothing you buy. But all of that is still putting things in a consumerist frame rather than saying, "Okay, maybe the the goal here is not to consume. Maybe the goal Mm. is to buy nothing or to buy something secondhand or to make do with what I have or borrow something if I only need it for a little while. Um, There are so many options that the consumerist frame doesn't even let us consider. Um, And I think the other thing is we get lied to constantly by people trying to sell us stuff. Uh, You know, I mentioned the plastic (laughs) recycling example. Yeah, but I mean, the Gosh, if we talk about the big financial institutions, for example, you know, most of the big banks are funding fossil fuel projects, but then they also will claim to fund, you know, so-called responsible projects or they'll, you know, like Wells Fargo funds both the Dakota Access Access Pipeline and the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. Well, those things are diametrically opposed, um, but they'll push the, hey, look, no, we are friends of the tribe rather than, oh, yeah, by the way, and we fund all these fossil fuel things. Um, And so there's just a lot of bad information out there that makes it, I think, really hard to make good choices unless we can get to a place of having a totally different mindset. And so that's really a lot of what the book sets out to do is getting our minds straight on this, you know, learning to see through the lies, learning to spend and earn and save according to our values, which is something we talk a lot about in personal finance. But I don't think most people actually take a big enough step back to say, no, really, what are my values? When people say spend according to your values, they usually mean according to what you value, which is a different thing. Um, And so I think if we can actually get to, hey, racial injustice is hugely important to me, or I care about the climate above everything, or, uh, you know, wage inequality for women is my big issue. Uh, You know, if we can start to think about those things, it becomes much easier to see through all of the junk out there and actually make good choices. I love that. It really feels empowering to me. And 
So to kind of follow that up, so how would we use this financial power that we have to to fight for our values? I mean, I realize that probably step one, right, is to figure out what our values actually are. But then how can we use our dollars to really make an impact there? Yeah, you're absolutely right that, yes, it does require going through a bit of introspection to figure out what your values are. The good news is that if you do that, it helps you automate so much of your decision making. The example that I love to use is if you offer a vegetarian a hamburger, they don't have to spend any mental energy or expend any willpower or any of those other things that we know are in short supply in order to say, nope, it's just an automatic thing. Nope, I don't eat burgers. I'm a vegetarian. Um, And so for you, if you can go through a little bit of this process, you will automate things. You'll say, okay, here are things I don't spend on anymore. Here are things maybe I spend on, um, but only if I'm really thoughtful about it. And then here is the category of things that I spend on without worrying about it. And you can apply that same thinking to all of your financial choices because this really isn't just about shopping. Um, It could be deciding where to live. Is it more important to you to have a climate-friendly commute? In which case, maybe you want to have less square footage, less space. Um, Maybe the space is the most important thing for you because you want to have a family that is comfortable and you're okay then spending a little bit more money and having more emissions associated with your commute. And then maybe you look to offset those things another way. Uh, So all of that stuff is really values driven. You know, how you earn is a big piece of it. I I know I've said that a few times, but I think that gets left out of the discussion so often. Um, And also how you save and invest. Those are hugely important pieces. And since we're talking, you know, personal finance here, where you bank is one of the biggest and most impactful decisions you can make. Because when you invest, you know, we talk a lot about responsible investing. If I buy a share of stock, unless it's the IPO, that money is probably not going to the company. You know, maybe it's one of the the executives selling their shares or something like that, but that's unlikely. Most likely, if I'm buying a share, I'm buying it from an institutional investor or someone who's selling off shares in their retirement plan to uh, live in retirement. Um, And so it's not actually going to the company. It is helping to keep their share price high. So we should be thoughtful about it. But with banking, the money that's sitting in your savings account can be lent out immediately by that bank. And a lot of that, if you're with one of the big banks, is going to fossil fuel projects. And so switching out of a big bank and going with a credit union, a community bank, a black-owned bank, there are a lot of different choices these days, um, can be actually hugely impactful. And that's something that you know, the financial services industry would prefer we not know and prefer we not think about. There's a lot they would prefer we not know and think about, unfortunately. Yes. It feels very criminal to me, but that's a whole other conversation. (laughs) (laughs) But I I love this idea of ethical banking. I'm a big fan of it and um, made the switch a couple years ago from a traditional big bank. How can somebody, though, figure out maybe, you know, what their bank is or isn't invested in. Is there or are there easy ways to do that? There, you know, it's it's really about making friends with Google uh, or your favorite search <laughs> engine. Uh, but searching the name of your bank uh, and a whole bunch of different things can get you to good information. You can look at uh, regulatory fines or punishments. You can Google the name of your bank and watchdog, uh, lending discrimination, housing discrimination, fossil fuel projects, uh, you know, sort of any issue that you care about. 
Google that issue. I should stop plugging Google here because they are a huge uh, company with their own (laughs) problems. Uh, But, you know, search engine of your choice, search for your bank and whatever issues you care about. And you'll get a sense pretty quickly of what either regulators have had to step in and punish them for or stop them from doing or other watchdog organizations, what they've dug up. If you're particularly interested in fossil fuel projects, which I think is hugely important and we should all care about for climate change, um, there is a great site called StopTheMoneyPipeline.org. And that specifically calls out all the banks who are funding and lending to support fossil fuel projects. Um, So that's an easy resource. Um, I'm hopeful that we'll see more resources that kind of combine all this stuff. But right now you do have to put in a little bit of legwork. But even still, we're talking about five or 10 minutes and you'll have a pretty good picture. Mm, I like that. I'm going to be on that site right right when we finish this conversation. So are there... Are there any negatives to switching from like a like a big bank to, uh, you know, a smaller community bank? Is there any disadvantage in doing that? The disadvantage is that, one, you have to go through a process and you'll probably have to do things like switch your uh, automatic um what's it called when you get your paycheck? (laughs) Automatic deposit. Deposit. There we go. Uh, And if you have any auto bill pay, you know, you're going to have to go through a one-time transition and switch those things. And then depending on the bank, you may not have as robust an online experience or as good an app. But if that's important to you, if you use your bank site a lot or your bank app a lot, um, you can choose your new bank on the basis of who has the best app. And that's very possible. A lot of the big national credit unions have very solid online and good app experiences, um, as do some of the community banks or Black-owned banks. Uh, So you're not necessarily giving up the convenience. It's just possible if you don't prioritize that. Exactly. Well, I mean... (laughs) I want to I want to get a little deeper into this wallet activism concept. Tell me a little bit about you wrote this amazing book. Like, tell me a little bit about, you know, some of the pieces in there that like really lit your heart on fire. Yeah, I mean, the stuff that to me was was most powerful were the things that really challenge the conventional wisdom among people who see themselves as do-gooders, who believe that they're out to do the right thing and are are trying to make good progress and pushing back against the status quo. And that's because I, I see myself that way. I've always cared about this stuff, but I didn't always feel like there were clear answers, which is truly why I set out to write this book, because I wanted this book. I wanted these answers. Uh, but things like folks who are really interested in um, the health of land and animals will often talk about how important it is to eat organic Well, it actually turns out that quite a lot of organic farming has a bigger environmental impact than non-organic farming. That was really surprising to me, but I think that that's important to know. And so the unfortunate thing is I can't say, okay, never eat organic or always eat organic. It's a bit more nuanced than that. Organic is still a really good idea if you eat animal products. Um, And if you are eating produce items where you physically eat the skin, it's still good not to um, eat things that have pesticides sprayed on them and that sort of thing. Uh, But I actually think there's room for kind of a middle standard of if we could have something that says, okay, there are no synthetic pesticides, insecticides, herbicides sprayed on this, 
but it does have some synthetic fertilizer, um, that actually would be a wonderful thing to know because most of the harm is done by the sides, the things meant to kill stuff. Um, so, but that's not something that exists. And so it's sort of like, well, organic or non-organic. Um, and there are lots of other examples of, of things like that where something that seems like a good action is in fact harmful in some way. Um, and it's learning to embrace that nuance and say, okay, you know, if I have to do a bad thing, uh, I'm putting that in, in air quotes, <laughs> you know, a lot of people get worked up about, oh, nobody should shop at Walmart, for example. Well, that completely, that that's a pretty elitist view. It ignores that a lot of people have Walmart and Amazon as their only good options for covering essential needs. Um, maybe it's because of their budget. Maybe it's because of where they live. There just aren't good choices. Um, and so it's saying, okay, if we have to do those things, how can we do them better? You know, maybe it's avoiding shopping on Prime Day or Black Friday so that you're not contributing to the high injury rate of warehouse workers. Um, or it's, you know, being smart about what you're buying in those places. So it's a lot of it, I think, just pushing back against the oversimplified information that's out there. This is good. This is bad. And saying, no, let's actually dig a bit deeper and and really understand what is harmful, what isn't, um, and what we can do as individuals. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply.
Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-T-M for your extended 30-day free trial. I don't know if you did any of this research for the book, but I'm just curious, uh, the United States, like, do we kind of come off as the worst country for <laughs> uh, all of this stuff? Or, or are there, is this just sort of like a worldwide, you know, offenders around the world of um, you know, spending money in ways that aren't, uh, that aren't ethical. There are a lot of different ways you could answer that question. If we look purely at uh, greenhouse gas emissions, the U.S. is by far the worst in history. So currently China uh, emits more than we do. But if you look at all of the emissions that have ever been emitted, we are way, way ahead and it's not even close. Uh, no one is going to catch up to us anytime soon. Uh, and I think we have to own that, that we've had an outsized impact on the climate and that that's very driven by really manufacturing and transportation, that we've had gas guzzling cars, we've had long commutes, we've wanted lots and lots of stuff, and that has had that impact. If you look at other measures, you know, we do have better worker protections than a lot of countries around the world. Uh, we are trying to be a bit smarter about how we use water. Um, so you could say, okay, well, a lot of the countries in the Middle East are the worst offenders in terms of water wasting. Um, you could talk about China and the human rights abuse that they allow in some of their manufacturing. Um, but even that's not uncomplicated because a lot of people have been lifted out of poverty in China by manufacturing. So it's not a simple decision of, oh, never buy anything made in China because they allow some bad practices. Um, but it's understanding all these things. I mean, yeah, we, we I, I should say, I think the biggest takeaway is 
the wealthier you are, and even earning $40,000 a year in the U.S. puts you in the top 1% globally. Uh, Wow. The wealthiest people in the world have been the biggest offenders of both exploitation of our fellow humans and harm done to the climate and the planet. And so many of us in the U.S. fall into that category. And so we need to, you know, do better. Do you do you see uh, this movement really making change? Like, do you see us as a society really changing and looking at things from a more ethical perspective? Or are we still sort of stuck in that we're going to just talk about it place? I think that we're probably just going to talk about it in terms of policy for a little while longer. Although I do think just in the last, think about the last year and a half, just during the pandemic, we had the murder of George Floyd and a whole summer of uh, what I think unfairly gets called racial unrest, where it's really people demanding a better society. Uh, Then we also have had uh, a lot of bad weather events that are absolutely tied to climate change that has impacted how bad and frequent those things are. Um, And so I think people are looking around and saying this can't go on this way. We can't just go with the status quo because it's unjust. And it's also, um, you know, we're all going to lose our homes and die (laughs) if we just (laughs) let hurricanes and fires and everything um, keep going unchecked. Uh, And so I do think that there's a lot of interest in taking action to change the status quo. And that's why I wanted to write this, because right now I think we see mostly people having a more scattershot approach of you see folks saying, okay, well, I'll do this and you'll do this and we'll do this. And those things don't add up to anything. But if we are more deliberate and are a bit better informed in the choices we make, I think those choices that individuals make on their own will actually add up to something more positive. And, you know, with some things, it's going to be harder. With other things, it'll be easier. I could imagine getting 5% of banking customers to leave the big banks. Well, that's going to get their attention because that affects their bottom line and that could force them to change their ways, which is what we want. Um, Other things, you know, are we going to meaningfully reduce the amount of electricity generated by coal uh, in the U.S.? You know, actually, maybe we could if enough people speak up to their utility and say they want cleaner energy, um, that could change. But, you know, some of the things are more low hanging fruit than others. uh, But that doesn't mean they're not all worth pursuing. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied. Or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. 
And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Want to know the number one money question I'm asked? It's how to get started investing without being overwhelmed. So if you're asking yourself the same question, then you have to check out the Investing for Beginners podcast. The hosts, Dave and Andrew, they break down investment terms and strategies in a way you can finally understand. I love that they're making investing accessible and they have an entire podcast dedicated to helping you invest better. Even if you're not ready to start investing, they explain the stock market and financial updates so you can really understand what is being said on the news. If you're ready to learn more about investing, I'd recommend you start with two of my favorite episodes. Listener Q&A, how do you start investing with a thousand bucks? Where they explain how you get started right away. And back to basics of building our portfolio, where they explain how to build a portfolio from scratch. The Investing for Beginners podcast is a great way to start expanding your relationship with money. Find Investing for Beginners podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards will remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have, with guests from all walks of life. In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hmm, a very interesting per- perspective, and I love that idea of being deliberate. Because uh, I think that's that's where the impact comes. And I want to hear a little bit more about your story. I know you've been called the matriarch of the fire movement, which is quite a title. <laughs> <laughs> tell tell me a little bit about like your journey getting into the fire movement and really being you know so interested in this concept of wallet activism. It's it's funny because I do think a lot of folks know me as a person who retired early, um, often without knowing the reasons behind that. Um, but that doesn't mean that that's something I want to talk about forever, because to me, there are more important things in the world and in life um, than helping a lot of folks who are already pretty far ahead of others um, get farther ahead. But what happened is when I was a kid, when I was in seventh grade, my dad had to stop working because of a disability and it wasn't his choice. He got forced into it. Um, 
it's actually much worse than that. Uh, and it was discriminatory uh, on the last day that was legal before the Americans with Disabilities Act took effect. Um, oh, my gosh. But so I saw him then really struggle for a lot of years to accept that he was retired, to accept the situation. And I knew that his condition was genetic and there was at least a 50% chance that I would get it. And so I really just didn't want to be in that same position of being forced into something. And, and for folks who don't know about this, the U.S. safety net system for people with disabilities is truly terrible. Uh, the You're not allowed to save very much and the amount that you get to live on is not survivable basically anywhere. Um, and so those were not circumstances I wanted to find myself in. And so my motivation to retire early was both so that I wouldn't be at the mercy of that system or at the mercy of others, that I could retire on my own terms. And it was knowing that my mobility is decreasing over time because it turns out I do have what my dad has. And I wanted to be able to go out and do some things and travel a bit and have free time and um, do outdoorsy things while I still had full mobility or mostly full mobility, we'll call it. Um, and so that was my motivation for retiring early, not just because I, you know, was like an entitled overpaid brat who wanted to <laughs> hang around all day and play video games or whatever it is. I, I'm mostly joking and saying that, although I do think there are some bratty folks in the fire world. Um, but to me, it's always been about, okay, how can we make the space more inclusive? How can we bring in a broader range of income levels or life circumstances to talk about options for this? And how can we honestly use the movement toward early retirement as a way to secure more power for workers and to take some of that power away from corporate entities? Because if the folks who are on the road to early retirement can speak up more while they're still in the workplace, they could actually meaningfully change things for others, um, either those who are just behind them in the journey or for whom early retirement really isn't possible because we we try to pay people as little as we can and a vast number of people are underpaid. Um, and so those were the types of conversations I was pushing, which I think is where the matriarch uh, title came from. Uh, but I think I feel like I've said most of what I want to say about early retirement and that whole world other than just continuing to push for more inclusion. And it's it's not even lack of diversity. It's just that the folks who aren't kind of the white tech bro mold don't often get celebrated the same way. Uh, and that is a real disservice um, to them and to everyone who could potentially see themselves in the movement. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of me and fire and that whole, that whole world. So, so during that, so retiring early and, and choosing a, a different way of life, did that then lead to all of these other interests of, writing books and really charging after these these topics about activism and really making a change in your life? So the fact that I retired early, almost four years ago now, was what let me publish my first book, Work Optional, uh, which is a book that I'm very proud of. And, and I was really happy to bring a bit of social and environmental awareness to a personal finance book because that's not often the case with them. But that wasn't the book I was passionate about writing. It's I would say wallet activism really is much more a reflection of my heart and soul. And that is not related to retiring early. That's just me forever. Um, I was... I think I, I thought of myself as an activist in middle school, probably. Uh, I was president of the high school environmental club. Um, my career was in political consulting, pushing for candidates and causes that would wow. lead to greater justice in the world. Um, and so this is something that I've always done on some level, uh, even now in retirement. You know, I, I work with local conservation and social justice organizations. Um, and so 
it's a reflection of, I think, a, a deeper part of me than just this part that wanted to uh, be able to retire on my own terms. Because I, I think that a lot of us walk around with that feeling, whether you work in something that's yeah. activist oriented or not. I think a lot of us really want to fight for change, but we don't necessarily know how. And so for folks who felt how I did, I wanted to figure out what those tools were and then give them to people. And I think, you know, myself, when I was younger, I was very, very into activism, but I, I often thought that my one choice or my one voice would not make a difference. And, I, and I'm sure there's somebody listening right now who's thinking, okay, if I, if I changed banks or I made this one change with how I'm spending, saving, using my money, whatever that might be. Am I really going to make a difference? Like, what would you say to that person? I would say that certainly the more of us who do this, the bigger impact we will make. But I think people really underestimate how much, especially corporate America, is driven by consumer preferences. You know, if we can show that people don't want to buy X product anymore, even if it's just a 5 or 10% decline in sales, that makes people go back and evaluate and say, what are we doing wrong? What should we be doing instead? Uh, I talk about this in the book, that we can't just say this is about not doing things, not shopping at Walmart, not, you know, buying uh, non-organic eggs or beef. Uh, it has to be also about things we do do and creating demand for those things. So if we think that fossil fuel cars should be phased out, we don't want any more gasoline-powered cars on the road, then we also have to think about, okay, well, we need to make it worthwhile for companies to produce electric cars. And that means that some of us need to buy them. Uh, and <laughs> if we do little shifts like that, you know, it it's actually pretty amazing what small numbers of people can accomplish. It's also, you know, the, the thing that I think we don't put enough weight on is just sort of what I call the like ability to sleep at night. You know, if now that I know that the money sitting in my savings account is being lent out to Exxon and BP and all the companies out there drilling in the middle of the ocean, um, fracking and causing earthquakes all over uh, by, you know, the stuff they pump into the ground. You know, my money is funding that. Well, I can't know that and sleep well at night. <laughs> so it's, what do I want to profit from? And that's sort of like a just, you know, you getting right with whatever force guides your life in some way. Um, but that has value. You know, I think we each deserve to walk through life knowing that we're not causing more harm than necessary. And the unfortunate fact is we're all causing a ton of harm, much more than necessary, just because we aren't aware. And I think that by becoming aware and making some shifts, uh, we can make a real impact, but we can also just, you know, feel a bit lighter and not carry the weight of all that harm. So would you say it might be beneficial for, for every one of us listening to take some time, it doesn't have to be a lot of time, but take really like an inventory of of our money, of where our money is being held, where it's being spent, to like almost do a a project on our money to just even figure out where our money is going. Like, do you do you talk about anything like that that that's very practical and and tangible? I don't go through that exercise in the book because I wanted to keep people focused more on the value side of it. But I would say that is a wonderful extra credit assignment, in part because. First of all, it's just always beneficial to know where your money is going. And most of us don't know where all of it's going. Uh, you know, a lot of folks, if you try to tally up how much you spent at wherever you tend to shop the most, um, 
most people tend to be pretty shocked by what that actually adds up to, which is another way of saying, you know, even if you just change your individual habits, it could still amount to a significant sum of money. And especially when you multiply that over many years and over time. Um, But yes, if you go through and you know where things are going, you can then focus on the biggest sources of of impact because, you know, like it was very popular a few years ago to bash Chick-fil-A because they were funding anti-LGBTQ causes, uh, right. which was a really valid criticism. But my point in the book is, OK, yes, if you can avoid them, you know, or if you're eating there every day, um, maybe that's something you don't want to support. But if you go to Chick-fil-A two or three times a year and you give them five or ten dollars, you know, maybe that's thirty dollars a year. Um, That's not a tragic amount of money versus if you're spending thousands and thousands of dollars a year on Amazon or at Target or um, wherever else you your money tends to go. Um, And so once you know where it's going, then you can say, okay, I'm going to focus on the big decisions, you know, like your transportation, your housing, the same things that are the biggest choices in terms of how much you're able to save and invest are also the biggest places where you have an impact. And so you can look at those things and then work your way over time, maybe down the list. But, you know, my goal isn't to make people stress out about the $1 decisions. It's to focus first on the $1,000 and larger decisions. And then if you choose to keep going with it over time, you can sort of come down the price ladder. Um, But look at the biggest impact first. I think that's often a huge decision we make really in both trying to do the right thing and in our finances. And in doing that, I feel like then that opens the door for, just like we're talking about it here, having conversations about these really important topics. And then hopefully, maybe you share that with a friend or you share that with a family member and the movement kind of grows that way. I think if you can feel empowered about making some of these shifts, you are more apt to want to share that with someone else. And maybe you spark something in someone else to say, hey, you know what, I'm I'm going to look at where I'm spending my money or the decisions I'm making. And maybe I can make a small shift and maybe it ripples out like that. A hundred percent. I really urge folks to share this. And I think, you know, so many people are afraid of sounding sanctimonious or preachy and saying like, oh, look at this shift that I made and look how much better I am than everyone else who didn't make this change. And that's not the goal. But I think, you know, if you're saying like, okay, I've always felt weird about when it's holiday time or people ask me for a gift wish list because they want to give me something that I haven't had a good way to approach that without getting a whole bunch of new stuff that I don't feel good about. But hey, I found this registry called the So Kind Registry where I can register for gifts of experience, for secondhand gifts. I can ask people to do me favors, like maybe someone gifts me mowing the lawn if you live in a house and have a lawn or um, a day of childcare. Uh, There's so many different things you could imagine putting on there. And sharing it that way of like, hey, look at this great resource I found sounds much less preachy than does saying, you know, well, I made this switch and you should too. Uh, And so I think absolutely the more of us who know about this and who do this, the bigger impact we'll have. Um, But also that I I get people have a mental hurdle with talking about that because of how it might come across. Uh, And so I want to encourage folks that there are ways you can do it that, you know, don't sound like you're judging others. It's just sort of like, hey, here's this thing that I think is great. Let me share it with you. Uh, Others will appreciate that. Well, Tanya, this has been such an eye-opening conversation. I love it. If somebody is listening, they want to grab a copy of Wallet Activism, they want to connect with you, where do they go? Uh, Wallet Activism is 
available in all of the book places. I'm really encouraging folks to pre-order it from a local bookstore, uh, independent if you can. If not, bookshop.org is a great option instead of the everything store. Um, my primary website is ournextlife.com. Uh, and there you can find links to everything that I do. But I also have the Wallet Activism podcast. And I'm most active on Twitter and Instagram. And that's at our underscore next life. This conversation with Tanya has really left me shaken for a while. I think my biggest takeaway is that I personally need to put more of my money in places that matter to me. And by doing so, I can I can create a ripple of change. So I'm going to throw a challenge out to you as well. Are you mindfully choosing who your financial partners are? And are you spending money to fight for your values? And the first step, of course, is you got to figure out what your values are. So spend some time there. Really think about them. But from there, I'd love you to figure out how you could bring this idea of wallet activism to life in your world. I think if we all do this, maybe we can really create a change. I don't know. Maybe that's being optimistic, but that's just what I'm feeling. If you enjoyed this episode, the biggest compliment you can give me is share it with your friends, family members, share it on social media. Let everyone know that they need to take a listen to this idea of wallet activism. As always, you can head to the show notes for links to the episode guest as well as the episode sponsors. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.